Welcome to TBN's Praise Podcast, hosted by Matt and Lori Crouch, where you will hear interviews with some of your favorite Bible teachers, pastors, authors, and Christian leaders. On today's show, Matt and Lori Crouch host New York Times best-selling author and Bible teacher, Joyce Meyer. They discuss how your battle belongs to the Lord and unpack how to be more than a conqueror in Christ. Let's make welcome, please, Joyce Meyer to the Praise Program. Come on. Love it. Um, I've heard that over your ministry career, you've written a book or two, okay? Yeah, a few. One or two. And uh, today, we're talking about um, a subject that can get misunderstood pretty quickly. Right, Okay, so we're going to have uh, Mama Joyce going. She's going to bring some normality to this subject. And if you're just tuning in, Uh, Your battles belong to the Lord. That sounds like great news. Let's unpack it now for the next one hour, please. Well, everybody gets so excited when they hear that title. And that book will sell just because of the title. Because people just get really tired of feeling like they're fighting something all the time. Right. And especially then, like I know for me, before I knew that the devil was a real enemy. Mm-hmm. I never heard that much about the devil when I was in the church that I was in for several years. And I knew there was a devil, but more like a cartoon character, you know, that yeah. came out on Halloween. I didn't really realize <laughs> that, that the devil was behind all my problems. Now. We can't always say the devil made me do it right? because we have free will and Satan certainly does work through people and he does work through circumstances. But I think what I'm wanting people to really realize in this book, like today, for example, there's so many people that are angry. Yes. I don't, I've never seen a time when people, people are, so are so easily offended. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when I say people, I'm talking about Christian people. Yeah. I mean, I it's... I mean, I've done this too many years, and I've asked too many times, and there's usually about 70% of any size crowd that will tell you that there's somebody that they need to forgive. And I think that people don't really understand forgiveness, but that's another whole subject. It doesn't mean your feelings change. It means you decide to do what God's asking you to do, and then he'll change your feelings. But I think I want people to know that the enemy is real. And when I first started learning that, I started doing what I was being taught was spiritual warfare, which pretty much was just screaming at the devil all the time. <laughs> and, you know, uh, rebuking Satan. Right. You know, resist the devil and he will flee. And I finally got to the point where I said, I didn't mean it to be a joke, but it was funny. Well, I've rebuked until my rebuker's worn out. Yeah. And, he still hasn't gone away. And so that's when I had to start digging in and learning some things. And I remember the Lord speaking to my heart and saying, why don't you, why don't you study how Jesus did spiritual warfare? There you go. He certainly never had any trouble Mm -hmm. with the enemy. And um, so I, I really started doing that. And that's part of the book. For example, um, love is warfare. Walking in love is spiritual warfare. Well, if you're really going to walk in love, then you have to forgive. 
<laughs> and, you know, we, we could talk about just that one aspect all day because unforgiveness or anger opens a door for the enemy. And the Bible says in Ephesians, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't give the devil any such foothold. And so if he gets a foothold, then he can get a stronghold. And I don't, I just wonder how many people watching today or even those of us here still have some unresolved issues in your heart with unforgiveness. And what, what God finally taught me, and I say finally because I've been at this 43 years studying the Word, was that, because I said, I see people coming for prayer all the time that I know are serious. They want to forgive. But the same people come back over and over. What's going on? And he just simply put in my heart, they're not doing what I told them to. And the first thing the Bible says is pray for your enemies. Well, I wonder how many people actually really do that. Yeah. You know, pray for them. You know, we think, well, I don't want to pray for my enemies to be blessed. Well, if you pray for them to be blessed, the first thing they might be blessed with is some understanding yeah. on their behavior. <laughs> yeah. And we can let God decide what the blessings are, but we need to pray for our enemies to be blessed. But secondly, and this is really important, is it, it says to bless them. Pray for them and bless them. And that means to do good to. And it means to speak well of. The curse means to speak evil of. To bless means to speak well of. So you have to stop talking about your enemies. And, and we know that's hard. If somebody's really hurt you and you hear somebody else talking about oh, what a great person they are and how much they like them, you just think, hmm, well, that's, you know. They just don't know. Yeah, there's yeah. a few things that you don't know. And um, Let me share. Yeah. But no. let, me just, let me just ask you for a minute, since you're part of this, have you ever had to work through forgiveness? Lord Jesus. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 I mean, we, we, we usually win that award in some regards. So, but, but at some point, you, you know what you're talking about um, in regard to uh, this subject. And, and because what, what, what everyone loves about you is you will circumspectly kind of teach. Yeah. You're not, you know, <laughs> you know. It's like, like, I just kind of teach? You, <laughs> <laughs> you have been an open book, yeah. you know, to, the, to all of us and have taught all of us so well through your own experience. And yeah. a lot of people don't want to have to do that. They don't want to have to get raw and bear it all. Yeah. And, and you've done a beautiful job with that. Well, and I tell I a story about it. my dad that really makes the point. It's, I'd have to make it short and not the long version, but my dad sexually abused me for many years. And my mother knew he was doing it, but didn't have the courage to confront him because she was afraid of him too. And so... You know, I prayed the I forgive you prayer I don't know how many times, but I didn't want anything to do with him. I didn't want to be around him. If I had to go on holidays, the sooner I could get away, the happier I was. And, uh, you know, I'd send a little money for their birthday or whatever, but I wasn't really into the loving you thing yet. <laughs> and as they got older, one morning I was praying, and, you know, you got to be a little bit careful when you ask God, is there anything you want me to do? Oh. <laughs> I mean, that can sound real spiritual. <laughs> oh, Lord, is there anything you want me to do? 
I surrender all. And then he asks you to do something you don't want to do. It's another story. And I, I really sensed in my heart that God said, I want you to bring your parents to the city you live in and take care of them until they die. Get them a house. You know, make sure they make have sure whatever they, they, have they need. Whatever. Well, the first thing I did, and I am not lying, I rebuked the devil. <laughs> wow. I said, there is no way that God would ask me to do that. Yeah. Wow. It was incomprehensible to me that God would ask me to do that. It's like, well, how unjust. You know, the first thing we think is, well, you never did anything for me. Yeah. Well, they never, and I said that to the Lord, they never did anything for me. And he said, well, you're breathing, aren't you? And so they gave me life. If it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be here. And really, even the way I grew up has turned out to be against the devil, not for him. Right. So what he meant for harm, yeah. God turned it around and worked it out for good. And so I just forgot about that God could have possibly said that, went on about my business. But you know how God is when he wants something, he usually doesn't be quiet about it. So it kept coming up, kept coming up. I thought, well... I mean, Dave and I, we maybe had enough money to buy a, a small house, but we didn't, we didn't have the money to be buying people houses. And uh, so I thought, well, I'll, I'll go to Dave, and he's going to tell me, no, there's no way we can do this. <laughs> so I, that will be my out. Dave will tell me no, and you know how submissive I am when I want to do it. <laughs> it works well in such occasions. <laughs> I would have been more than happy to submit to that. Got it. But Dave, he said, well, if that's what God told you to do, you better do it. Oh, wow. And I thought, no. Thanks a <laughs> So then I thought, well, we're going to buy them like a, I don't know, maybe a mobile home or, you know, it's just not, not anything, just anything, just to get them in it. And the Lord <laughs> said, no, you're going to buy them a nice house and you're going to see to it they're taken care of. And when they, when they first moved to our city, they they could still manage on their own, but they needed help getting their groceries, they needed the lawn cut, they needed all these things that cost money that they didn't have. Mm -hmm. And so the whole thing was a, a big expenditure too. And then when people are elderly like that, you never know when they're gonna need you, but whenever they're gonna need you, you need to be ready to help them. So it was three years almost I had, um, since we bought them the house, and my mother called one day and she said, your dad's been crying all week and he wants to talk to you. Now keep in mind, he had never apologized to me for what he did, never. And uh, so I went over and I said, what, what's wrong? What are, you, what are you crying about? And, he, and so then he, he said, I need to tell you that I'm sorry for what I did to you when you were a child. And he looked at Dave and he said, told him he was sorry too. And he said, because he knew Dave knew it. And he said, most men would have knocked my head off, but all you ever did was be kind to me. And uh, so I asked him that day if he'd like us to pray with him for salvation. And he said, yes. And then he asked if I would baptize, if we would baptize him. So 10 days later, we baptized him in a church that we have in St. Louis. Uh, church in the inner city. It's an outreach church. And 
I'll never forget when he came up out of the baptismal thing and he walked across the front. He lifted both his hands and said, praise the Lord. And he was, he was on a walk, you know, praise the Lord on his walker. Praise the Lord. And uh, so I say it like this, and I don't mean it to sound wrong, but I thought I was buying a house, but really I was buying a soul. Yeah. Wow. And not that you can buy somebody's soul, but it may cost you something. Right. right. You know, if there's somebody in your life that's really hurt you, showing them love, that's something they cannot understand. But the Bible says love never fails. And so love is spiritual warfare. And it's one of my favorite chapters in the book, and it's one of my favorite messages to preach. I love when you talk about how uh, your battlefield is your greatest place of blessing. Because even in the Old Testament, I mean, there's story after story after story that when they fought the battle and they did it God's way, right. they took the plunder. Yeah. A lot of people um, don't realize that, that if you turn those things over to God, what Satan did mean for harm, God will work out for good. And I know we hear this scripture all the time, but I've lived long enough to tell you that I know by experience and the word of God that it's true. All things yes. work together. Yeah. The, you know, the one thing may not be good, right. but if you'll turn that over to God and refuse to feel sorry for yourself, have a good attitude, and give your problem to God while you stay busy helping other people, then God can take absolutely anything, anything. and somehow or another He can work it out for your good. Have you ever noticed that sometimes when you're hurting real bad or you're having a problem that no matter what you do, you can't help yourself, but at the same time, God will anoint you to help somebody else? There you go. You ever yeah. wondered why that is? No. Yes. <laughs> what is it? Yes or no? Yes, I have. Yes. For you. <laughs> you know, it's because God doesn't he doesn't really want us fixing our own problems. He wants us to turn our problems over to Him while we help somebody else. And the help we give other people is the seed we sow then for the harvest that we need from God. And in Psalm 37, 3, it says, and this, is just, just, this has been really important to me. Trust in the Lord and do good, and so shall you be fed. Mm. And we miss the do good. Yeah. Trust in the Lord and do good. And so I just see that so plainly now. It's like, you know, when I'm in trouble, all I would really have to do is take my own advice. Right. <laughs> Don't you hate it? <laughs> but it seems like I can't seem to get it to work for me, yeah. you know, yeah. at the time. And, uh, but I can go tell it to somebody else, and I'm like, oh, that's a word from God. That's exactly the word that I needed. So I think if we remember that, that God wants to fight our battles, mm -hmm. and there is a warfare that we do, but it's not just screaming at the enemy all the time. First of all, the first chapter in this book is getting to know your enemy. Do we even, do we even know enough about, you know, I don't think there's enough preaching on the devil now. For a period of time in the church, there was way too much, and people got too spiritual warfare-minded, and that was all they thought about or talked about. We don't need to glorify the devil by talking about what he's doing all the time, because God's doing a lot more than he is. 
but you still have to recognize when he's at work. Like, I'll, I'll tell you a funny, funny story from this morning. I got up this morning and my email wouldn't work on my phone and I kept getting this message that I had to have some kind of a password that I don't, I don't have these things. So now we're trying to find out who has the password and we can't, the one person who has the password we can't get a hold of. And so bottom line is I'm trying to get this phone fixed the whole time that I'm coming, I'm coming here. here. And I'm trying to follow my own advice and do the warfare of rest and you know, not, not get bothered about it. But of all the mornings when that would happen, and you know when it got fixed, when I got on the ground here, it fixed. But for like, yeah. you know, all the way coming and before I left my house for the airport, the devil just plane wants to aggravate us. He wants to get us irritated and upset and aggravated. And so one of the one of the ways that things we really need to do is get to know the enemy. You know, when when uh, the devil was trying to use Peter to keep Jesus from his suffering, and he said, Oh no, Lord, this must never happen to you when Jesus was trying to tell him what he was getting ready to go through. And he looked at him and said, get behind me, Satan. You're an offense and a hindrance, and you're in my way. Mm. And so here he recognized that it wasn't Peter that was trying to keep him from going yeah. to the cross, but it was the devil working through wow. Peter's weakness. And I think the enemy knows everybody's weaknesses, including sure. our own, better yeah. than we know them ourselves. So... Knowing yourself a little bit better is very helpful and realizing that the enemy is going to work through people. And that doesn't mean people don't have a responsibility to change and that doesn't mean that we can't talk to them about the things they do that hurt us. But in our prayers, we need to know how to deal with the enemy and let him know that we recognize what he's trying to do because he likes nothing better than for us to blame everything on people. Yeah. We're talking about your battles belong to the Lord, Joyce Meyer. I have um, your your book uh, on the subject of, you know, spiritual warfare. We'll we'll use that term, although that term, you know, has such connotations, it, yeah. negative probably connotations that we we're using that term kind of loosely here um, for the for for time's sake. But there's you know. What, what, I, what I ultimately think uh, contextually, like what I love about your teaching and my understanding, your number one selling book probably prior to this one was Battlefield of the Mind, where right. you were talking about how the warfare is really an internal thing. So, so far you've said love is warfare mm -hmm. and um, obedience and those types of words that you're talking about mm -hmm. are really what warfare is. You, you just uh, mentioned a minute ago, you said, I started studying what Jesus did in regard to warfare. And so if you take the, if you zoom out and kind of want to, you know, want to see the, you know, men like context, women can start in the middle of the subject and work their way to the ends. But <laughs> contextually, what I think Jesus said ultimately as he was, you know, ascending, all power has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. Well... I'm on earth, okay? So that applies to where we are right now. 
and therefore go into all the world and do your thing, and lo, I'll be with you through, yeah. through the end of the age. All right. So if he has all power, that means the devil has no power because <laughs> Jesus has it all. He delegates that to us. Mm -hmm. So the, the ultimate question is, how does the enemy get anything done if believers have all power residing in them? That's really what the discussion of this book is. And you're talking about love and patience and peace. all this, the, the peace and rest. Well, like is rest. What, I mean, yeah. I, if you think of Jesus, if you could give one word that you would say defines what he looks like, hmm. you'd have to say rested. Hmm. He never got rattled, never got upset. I mean, he, in the temple, he chased out the money changers. So there is a righteous anger, but he, he always stayed in rest. And you know how little of that yeah. people yeah. have yeah. in the days that wow. we live in? And, and the kind of rest that he's talking about is not laying down and taking a nap. Right. It's, ah. <laughs> it's uh, uh, people can go on vacation and worry that they plan to spend their vacation time to figure out their problems. Wow. I'm, I'm going yeah. to be on vacation soon and I'll have time to figure this out. <laughs> I'll have time to, yeah. to think this over. And, um, you know, I've shared a couple of times, not too publicly yet, but two years ago in December, I got very sick. And um, I won't get into all the details, but turns out it was just the result of long-term working too hard. And stress is not always not being able to handle your life. It's just trying to do more than what any sane person could do. And the thing that, that I discovered that was really helpful to me, and this is good for everybody to remember, only a fool thinks they can always do what they've always done. Wow. Right. <laughs> wow. See? And what? So, <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> you swung your head over pretty quick to me, didn't you? Well, see, what I could do, I mean, oh, man, I, I, I'm a worker. Yeah. I've always been a worker. You know, I'm, I've written about 135 books. And so, you know, we'd be on vacation, Dave would be out playing golf, and I'd write a book. Yeah. And uh, I, I mean, I had a lot of responsibility. I had a big vision. I had a big dream. And, and I was a worker and very responsible. And God, God anointed me and gave me the grace in the beginning days of the ministry to do that because, I mean, in the beginning, we got the mail. I remember sitting at my little typewriter answering my two or three pieces of mail that came in and praying my guts out that there'd be some money in one of them. Right. And, <laughs> and uh, uh, but as I got older, God didn't really want me doing that anymore. It, that season was over in my life. I didn't have to do that anymore because I had other people that I could let do some of the things. And I really had to learn to say no. I really had to learn what I could do. And I'm in a position now where I can write my books, I can pray, I can study, I can put my messages together, I can do my TV, 
I can come and do things like this. But, I mean, as you know, you just asked me to do something yes, I did. before we came here. And I said, I, I, I said, I can't. I can't do that because it was something right before a conference. And I've learned that I put out a lot of energy in my conferences and I need to rest before them and after them. But come and on, so, bungee jumping is not that hard. We just want to yeah. go bungee jumping Thank with you. Thank you a little bit. And um, so I had to make yeah. some big changes in my life. Well, um, did the devil make me sick? Well, God doesn't go around making people sick, but uh, right. I was opening the door <laughs> through a lack of wisdom. And see, that's the thing that we don't like to look at a lot of times. Like, you know, one of these chapters, chapter 2, is called Do All the Crisis Demands. And actually in the Amplified Bible, in Ephesians 6, it says, Do all the crisis demands and then stand. Mm -hmm. And so God will fight our battles. He has to. We can't win. Right. We can't win them. But there may be some things that we need to realize. It's not always. Not always is there something that, that you've done. But the first thing I always ask God when there's big trouble is, is there something that you want me to do that I'm not doing? Yeah. Is there there's something that I, did. <laughs> that I did that you don't want me to do? You know, what? Yeah. And I don't, sometimes it's just stand or rest in me. But there's been times when the answers have been very practical things. Like I had to, I had to stop trying to be the 35-year-old Joyce Meyer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I couldn't keep doing that. And, you know, when you tell people no, like you guys were so super gracious, it was wonderful. But most people, if they want to hear yes and you tell them no, they don't like it. <laughs> And so you have to get ready to maybe offend some people, yeah. maybe make some people mad. And I'm thinking about another situation that is an example from Dave's life. He was uh, having what he calls the yips. I don't know exactly what that is yet, but he'd get like that real nervousy feeling inside. And Dave's a man of peace. He, he don't want anything to do with any kind of nerves, not mine or his or anybody else's. <laughs> and... Um, he didn't know what was causing it. And he'd get this every night and it was really bothering him. And when he prayed to God about it, God showed him that he was drinking a certain soda that had a lot of caffeine in it. And he'd go by this drive through restaurant and get a 32 ounce one every day. And it was too much caffeine. And so he, has, he does not have diabetes, but it, sugar does the same thing to him now. Mm. And Dave could eat sweets all of his life, but... He cannot eat sugar, except rarely once in a while, and he can't drink much caffeine. He, he drinks a little, but he can't drink much. Well, he had, a, he had a, a problem, God heal me, but in that case, there was something God needed to show him. And just one more example, then we can go on to something else. My assistant, who's with us here, she had debilitating migraine headaches for years and years and years. I mean, really bad headaches. And uh, was on medicine, saw doctors, had, you know, everything. Still had these bad headaches. She had a headache basically almost every single day of her life. And uh, did you go off of the, the sweetener 
for the headaches or just she felt like that God spoke to her. Mm. I mean, the sweetener she used, mm. she would get a cup of tea, iced tea, and put, what, five mm. packages of this stuff in there and in her coffee. As soon as she went off of it, yeah. headaches quit. Wow. Wow. Yeah. wow. And so I am just saying that, you know, you do want to use wisdom. You know, you can't expect to feel good if you're going to live on junk food and never exercise and get five hours sleep every night when you really need eight. And so it's wise to ask God if there is something in this crisis mm -hmm. that you need to do. And even then, sometimes your problems don't go away right away. And that's when he says, having done all the crisis demands, it's in the classic amplified, stand. But that word stand can also be translated abide. It's not like this, you know, I'm going to resist the devil till he gives in. But it's resting in God. And so even in Chronicles where we use the example of Jehoshaphat, the Lord said the battle's not yours, it's mine. The enemy you've seen today, you'll never see again. But he also told him what to do. He told him to... To send out singers and to praise and worship. And so he went and, and got on his knees and stayed there until they got the victory. So sometimes that's what God will tell you. Be thankful. We hope you're enjoying the Praise Podcast. We'll get back to the interview soon. Spiritual Warfare God's Way. I think I'm understanding when you're talking about rest and peace and joy and love being kind of what warfare really is. I'm starting to track what, you know, the, what this book is really telling us. But what, do, what are you saying in those two chapters? Chapter okay, two if there. you take Ephesians 6, okay. and it talks about how our fight is not with flesh and blood, mm -hmm. but with principalities and powers and wickedness in high places. And it says, put on the full armor of God that you may resist and stand. Hmm. And having done all the crisis demands, stand firmly in your place. And then it starts to go through these different things. Put on righteousness. Put on your shoes of peace. Put on the uh, belt of truth. Put on the helmet of salvation. Well, how do you do that? Okay, well, most people spend more time getting dressed physically in the morning than they do getting dressed spiritually. I mean, a lot of people won't even spend three to five minutes with God in the morning. You know, at this time in my life, I'm not going out the door without talking to God. <laughs> you know, I'm just not doing it. Because the Lord told me a long time ago, you can't do what you're doing. I mean, I'll just tell you what he said and stay alive if you don't spend time with me. Wow. <laughs> because the devil hates everybody, but he especially hates people that are preaching and spreading the gospel. We see the things that the Apostle Paul had to go through in order to do what he did. And so we all get attacked, but I think the more you're trying to do for God, and you don't have to be in public ministry to be a minister. I mean, we all have a ministry, but, but you... You know, Paul said, seems to me, when I try to do good, evil always comes. Mm -hmm. Well, isn't it that way? I mean, you make a plan to get up early and pray. Yeah. 
and something's going to come to stand in your way. And that's when we need to realize that it's really not the kids knocking on our door that needs to upset us. It's the enemy trying to keep us from doing what we believe God told us to do. So if you, what those two chapters are about is what it means to put on. You know, like the Bible says, like certain, some, is there a color that doesn't look good on you, Laurie? Oh, yeah. What? Uh, what color doesn't look good on me? I love every color <laughs> on you. Okay, like, like. Good answer, good answer. Like, like. Good answer. You're right. Army green makes me okay. look like I'm a dead person. Okay. okay. I yeah, mean, it just up. looks, or like that mustard yellow color. Yeah. Oh, gosh, I'm <laughs> so bad in that. Well, I wouldn't go out in that. Red looks lovely. On yeah, you. red looks good. I mean, I wore red today. And uh, the thing is, is we wear behavior that looks terrible on us oh as Christians. Goodness. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> You know, to, to have a bumper sticker on your car right. that's a fish and be, off. yeah, and cutting everybody off and <laughs> yelling at people and maybe saying some nice little words you shouldn't be saying. And uh, so we need, we need to realize that Jesus has entrusted us with his reputation. Wow. Yeah. Can you get a hold of that? It's a great responsibility. He's entrusted us with his reputation. I mean, for some people, you're the only Jesus they're ever going to see. It's true. And so every day when we go out of our house, we go to work for the Lord. And you can preach and not open your mouth. Matter of fact, probably how we live is much more important than all of our preaching to people. But, But let's take, the Bible says, put on righteousness. Well, how many people live under guilt and condemnation almost all wow. the time? I mean, if you took a church full of people and you went down this list, how many are wearing your shoes of peace? Yeah. You know, well, your shoes are something you walk in. So he's talking about walking in peace. And, you know, you were talking about the last thing that Jesus said was to, you know, go into all the world and preach the gospel and I'll be with you. But one of the other last things he said was, my peace I leave with you. Not as the world gives do I give unto you, but my own special peace I now give and bequeath unto you. So stop allowing yourselves to be upset and disturbed. (laughs) Wow. And stop allowing yourselves. So we do have responsibility. And I think that we, you know, we have to get, get over this thinking that, God is going to do everything for us while we do nothing. You know, spending time with God, we're protected by the presence of God. Right. His presence actually is protection over us. And the staying peaceful, like my little phone thing this morning, mm-hmm. I never did get really upset, but there would have been a time... When phone out the window. <laughs> I would have had to have done some major repenting before I came in here and tried to do this. And uh, we, just, we do not have strife in our home. 
if Dave and I get into any kind of a disagreement now, which is rare, you stay married to somebody long enough and you learn. You take a nap, you forget right. all you about just, it. You just learn. And the main thing women have to learn is that men are always right. And so even if you, even if you know for sure he's wrong, the best thing to do is just say, mm-hmm, honey, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And because uh, it's not worth it. You know, being right is highly overrated. What's the point? It's true. It's like, so I get in a fight to be right, and then I get in the pulpit, and there's no anointing because I don't have peace on my life. Right. <laughs> so it's, it's really learning how Jesus did warfare. We, he was in peace all the time, spent lots of time, with his father, certainly never was condemned. I mean, I had such a huge problem with guilt because of what happened to me in my childhood that it was unbelievable. I mean, it took me years, years to get over that because I grew up thinking the devil had this record playing in my head, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? Because I thought, Something's got to be wrong with me for my father to want to do this to me. I don't, that's not happening to all the other girls that I know. Well, it's probably happening to more of them than what I thought, but nobody talked about abuse. Right. You, didn't, you didn't have anybody to go talk to about it. You, there was so much shame connected to it that you... And so I grew up guilty, and it, God had to really work with me to get me over that. But until I did, it was always an open door for the enemy because he's the accuser of the brethren. Yeah. And very legalistic. I mean, you don't, you don't make one little tiny mistake if the enemy's after you without him reminding you of what you did wrong. You know, I love, I love when Jesus did encounter um, Satan in the wilderness at his weakest moment. Um, where he finally said to him, he said, Satan, and I think, this is, I think this is what maybe some of us think, is that there is the devil between me and what God wants for me or between me and God. And so I got to get rid And I just love that Jesus said, Satan, you get behind me. Right. I'm not going to look at you any longer. Right. And you're not holding. So, so what do we do when we're in those moments where we think that we just have to fight to get God's blessing. Because I think a lot of people fight instead of stand. Instead of stand. Right, instead of standing. They think it's their battle to fight. Well, that's what really this is about. It's, it's about your battle does belong to the Lord, but we're in partnership with God. Can you imagine what a boring life it would be if God just did everything for us wow. and there was nothing that, you know, we did, we do what he shows us to do. And I think that fighting the enemy is a lot different than what people think it is. I mean, when you have a problem, if you can just manage to stay in peace wow. mm -hmm. and stay thankful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It feels Worship like... Worship and Thanksgiving. It feels kind of like uh, the way my brain is interpreting <laughs> so, so far <laughs> oh, is you're tell. saying is, what, what you're saying is, you, warfare is really embracing the finished work of the cross. Yep. And the finished work of the cross provided peace. Right. Jesus said, I am your peace, right. in addition, in a different place. 
So he either is or he isn't. Right. And so the idea that you embrace the finished work of the cross is really warfare, but you have to have wisdom. When you were talking about some of the situations with, with Dave and, and your secretary, the thought hit my head. My mom was diagnosed with cancer. Uh, she passed away a couple of years ago from a stroke, but prior to that, 15 years ago, she was diagnosed with cancer and had colon cancer surgery and the whole thing. And uh, she didn't feel like the Lord spoke to her very much for a season of time, and, and she was really disturbed by it. And finally, when she was almost getting out of a season of complaining, like, really, I have a lot to do, and I have this colon cancer, and I've got to deal with all this. And, and, um, and the Lord said, how many times did you use that artificial sweetener in your life? It was the first thing he said, you know, at, in, a, in a whole season of complaining. And so, you know, I mean, there was- and She used it all the time. She used it on a anything, lot. On, on a lot. I mean, on meats. Artificial sweetener. Bake, she you know, just wow. sweetened them all over everything. It was just awful. She was a terrible cook. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> she, she was actually she was She's actually a great, great cook. cook. She, my my mama grew up in uh, the South and knew how to cook all that good stuff. Everything was sweet. Uh, your battle, <laughs> yeah. Your battles belong to the Lord. Joyce Meyer, brand new book. What chapter do you want to talk about? Kind of land. Well, the ship I want to relate bit. to something that Laurie said because I think this is important when okay. you were talking about Jesus in the wilderness. The way that he fought the devil was every time the devil would lie to him. Mm. And see, this is where we have to know the word. Yes. Because if you don't know the word, then you don't know when the devil's lying to you. Right. Mm. So I wonder how many lies just in this group of people here. Well, no, let's just take in the whole viewing audience. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. How many lies do you believe that you don't know are lies? Wow. Because wow. see, deception means to believe a lie. Mm. But if you don't know it's a lie, yeah. then to you it's truth and it becomes your reality. reality. Yeah. Wow. Like the devil had always told me, I know it was the devil, but I always believed that because I'd been sexually abused, I would always have to, I would have a second-rate life. Hmm. You'll be okay, but you, you'll have a second-rate life. You never really recover from anything like that. You don't, you, you'll never be really quite normal. Hmm. Well, the devil lied to Jesus, mm -hmm. and Jesus immediately said, it is written. Right. He didn't argue with him. Mm -hmm. He said, it is written, and he quoted the scripture that undid the lie. There you go. It's truth to a lie. Yeah. yeah. And so, as much as it makes you feel odd, I, I'm a strong proponent of confessing the word out loud. Yeah. Just to learn to talk back to the devil. Right. Now, obviously, if you're somewhere where you can't be talking out loud, you can murmur. Women know how to murmur. <laughs> and so, you know, we can, we can, murmur it or mutter murmur it under our breath. But even with all that, Laurie, he went through that three different times, four different times, and then the Bible says that Satan went away, and I love this, to wait for a more opportune time. So 
If you think he's ever going to completely leave you alone, yeah. that's just a myth. But what I love is that you, you have to know the Word of God. You have to know what it says so, because right. the truth sets you free. Jesus and it's the said, truth you know. You'll know the truth. You, you will know the truth, and yeah. the truth will make you free. And so, and you know, prayer is so important, and I've got a couple of chapters in here, like breaking Satan's assignment. Well, how do you do that? See, I believe he... He hands out assignments to his little demons. Mm -hmm. And, you know, well, most of us have a little... <laughs> little evil. You ever see the show where I have the little devil sitting on my shoulder? Um, and if you have a problem, he'll, his assignment is to scream in your ear all day. So what are you going to do? So what are you going to do? Well, you don't know what to do. That's the problem. You don't know what to do. Wow. And... Uh, we need to just say, I don't have to worry about what to do because I've prayed and I'll do what God shows me to do, but if he doesn't show me to do anything, then I'm going to wait on him and give thanks while I do. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're in a place where you can say it out loud, I think it helps you to do that. Yes. Now, you know, when you first start telling people to confess things out loud, you feel a little bit odd walking around in your house talking out loud. But... You know, I, I maybe have said in my lifetime now five million times, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Thank you, Lord. Amen. And I had to say that and say that. And see, every time you say it, mm -hmm. it's like erasing one of those what's wrong with me lies. Yeah. And finally, I just was at Joel's last weekend preaching, Joel Osteen, and I said, you know, the, the devil's always trying to remind you of what you've done wrong. Mm -hmm. But God just gave me this little thing to give them. You've done more right in your lifetime mm -hmm. than you have wrong. Mm -hmm. You take David, he committed adultery and murder, and yet God said he was a man after his own heart. Mm -hmm. How can you do that? Well, David did some wrong, but he did a whole lot of things right. right. He really, really, really loved the Lord. And so even things like that, that you've made big mistakes on in the past, when the devil starts annoying you about them, you can say, yes, thank you for reminding me how gracious God is. Yes. Mm -hmm. He was so good to forgive me. But you know what? I've done a lot of things right, too. <laughs> and uh, you know. we were sitting on a set with Jordan Rubin, um, who was suffering with a debilitating illness. It almost took his, took his life when he was a young guy. And he was cramping internally in his body and he was very sick. He had ulcerative colitis. He was passing blood. He was, it was a mess. And the first thing he could think to thank God for in his condition was the four minutes in between the cramps where I wasn't cramping and emitting blood and having to go to the bathroom right. 40 times a day. And, and that was four minutes, and then it grew to six, then it grew to eight, and then it grew to 20. Yeah. And he was thankful. He learned to say something thankful about a disease that was literally taking his life. Yeah. And, you know, you're, you're talking about adopting and, and you're, you, what I believe you're 
saying in this broadcast, my brain is perceiving it as you put on the whole armor of God, not to fight, stand. And the word says that, to stand. Yeah. So when you stand there in righteousness, in salvation, in peace, then the battle then is turned over to the Lord and he fights it and wins it. You have to stand. You have to remain in peace. You have to know who you are Thank you, in Lord. Christ. Okay. With that in mind, uh, we got just a minute. We'll maybe have one little uh, extra kind of final thought, but pray for the audience for, for this. Uh, this is fantastic. Thank you, Joyce. Father, we pray in Jesus' name for everyone who's hearing this that they would know you, know who you are, but we also pray that they would know the enemy, that they would recognize when he's working and not blame it on people or circumstances, and that they would know who they are, that they would know who they are in you and the power of forgiveness and, and that warfare doesn't have to be a, an exhausting fight where you just fight and wear yourself out. We can learn how to do spiritual warfare your way. Help them learn how to stay in rest, how to do the warfare of love, how to put on righteousness, how to tighten that belt of truth when they're in a difficult time and to wear the helmet of salvation, to think like a person who is born again. Father, teach us all every day to be more watchful and to be more careful in our walk with you. I believe that you're going to open people's eyes and teach them things that they have not previously known, that the enemy is going to lose much ground. I ask you to protect this book, and I ask you to give it favor that people would be drawn to getting it, that don't even know why they're getting it, but they would get some understanding about how they can have a wonderful, wonderful, victorious walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Your battle belongs to the Lord. It really does. But if you don't know what to say, to a lie, if you don't know the truth of a situation, this is why Jesus would say, you'll know the truth, the truth will make you free. If you don't know it's a lie, you don't know to speak truth to a lie. But ultimately, um, that's why um, this book exists. And, and Joyce, thank you for taking so on you know, this subject because it has been misunderstood yeah. and completely kind of she shows messed us up for how a to while. Cast our cares on Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Because He cares for us. Mm. I love you, Joyce Meyer. Thank you so I much. Think you're amazing. We, love we you enjoy too. it. Love it. We have about 30 seconds. Your final thoughts on this book. Well, just remember who you are in Christ, and that greater is He that is in you than He that is in the world. And you really are more than a conqueror. In Luke 10, it says, Behold, I have given you power and authority over all the power the enemy possesses. He has power. You have power, but you have authority. Amen. Thank you, Lord. He doesn't have authority. You do. Beautiful. Thank you for listening to this episode of TBN's Praise Podcast. If you enjoyed today's interview, 
Be sure to subscribe to the podcast, share it with a friend, and consider leaving a review. We look forward to having you join us back here next week.